Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. Today's guest is a four-time affiliate manager of the year. Entrepreneurs and companies such as Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington, Stu McLaren, Adidas, Ray Edwards, Brian Tracy, Lewis Howe, Rich Sheffrin, Shutterfly, and Michael Hyatt have trusted today's guest to run their affiliate launches. He helps online business owners make money as an affiliate and leverage the power of affiliate partners to grow their business. Please help me welcome Matt McWilliams. Matt McWilliams, I have a great conversation about the power of affiliate launches and partnerships. It is the most effective way to market without upfront costs. You have the ability to borrow an audience and to borrow authority and trust as you launch, all without spending money until you're creating cash flow. Every entrepreneur should be including an affiliate option in their marketing. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. Looks Looking forward to um, a great conversation and looking forward to learning a bunch about you, your journey, and uh, your expertise. And thanks for having me, Robert. Good to be here. Absolutely. So typically we start with just sharing how you jumped into entrepreneurship, how you, you know, what you're doing in the, in the online world, obviously a big part of your work is, is in the online world. And so, yeah, yeah, I I've been, a gosh, I've been an online entrepreneur for 20 years now, uh, almost to the day. And, um, for me, you know, it kind of happened by accident. Like I grew up, I always thought I'd be, I always thought I'd play golf for a living. I went to college. I tell people I did not go to college to take classes. I did not go to college to major in, uh, in whatever I majored in, you know, I went to college to play golf. So, um, you know, I grew up in, in just outside of Nashville and I was basically, I was born and raised, uh, initially in a, the golf capital of the world, Pinehurst, North Carolina. So it was in my blood. My dad was a golf pro, uh, you know, ended up playing college golf at the university of Tennessee, left there, turned professional. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play golf. Like that's what I'm going to do. And I got injured, uh, my freshman year of college, and it kind of lingered for about six years and found myself uh, teaching these golf schools with my dad. And I stumbled across this website. Again, this is 2002. It's called Google, if you've heard of it. <laughs> and, uh, and I found that for 10 cents a click, I could get people to come to a website and purchased our golf school, sent up for a golf school. Now these are $3,000, you know, student days, these three days, go, three day golf schools, $3,000 a student. And I wasn't building an email list. You, you basically, you didn't come there and like download a free report, you know, opt into a workshop like you would do today. You basically came to this website and you either gave me $3,000 or you left, but we converted about a half percent of people into a customer. And I, and I remember just like it was yesterday, Robert, I'm sitting there. Now, don't judge me when I say this, but we were having an ice storm in North Carolina and I was watching an Allie McBeal marathon. And I go, don't <laughs> judge me. So I'm watching Allie McBeal for like 10 hours, 12 hours on FX network back in 2002 to early 2003. And I, I had a ding that went off on my computer every time I made a sale. And I wasn't really like an online marketer at that point. I was a golf instructor who just happened to have an online you know, advertising thing going to drive leads and drive customers. And I heard a ding, you know, like first episode, about two episodes later, I hear another ding, about three episodes later, I hear another ding. Now I'm 22 years old at the time and I'm doing the quick math and I'm going, it's middle of the afternoon. I have done no work today. Now, and we've brought in $9,000 split two ways between my dad and I, I made $4,500, you know, minus some credit card processing fees. Well, another ding and another ding right before I go to bed, long story short, $7,500 roughly net profit that day doing nothing, 
I didn't even get on the computer. I don't think I just kept hearing the ding. And that was kind of like when I fell in love with this online marketing thing, the ability to uh, reach people who had a need, you know, they want, it wasn't like I was going out there and like scamming people or selling them something they didn't want. They wanted to get better at golf. Our golf schools made them better at golf. Our students left and went and had more fun playing golf. And to them that was worth $3,000, you know, for the amount of instruction we gave. That was kind of the genesis of me getting in uh, to the online marketing world, Robert. And then fast forward three years later, I started a company with a couple of friends of mine. And unfortunately, that was not replicatable. First of all, I was in a different market. I was in the insurance market. Secondly, uh, Google got a lot more expensive because more people had heard of it. And so now what used to cost us 10 cents a click, and so I'd acquire a $3,000 customer for 20, I'm trying to acquire a $25 customer and we're spending $27. <laughs> really bad math. And so we were about broke and we needed a solution. And I remember vi very vividly, Robert, we're in this office. It's a Saturday morning, uh, Saturday, into Saturday afternoon. I, I, I still, I could almost, I could go back and find the date because I could tell you who was playing in the ACC tournament, <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, we're kind of figure out what the heck we're supposed to do. Fast forward a couple months later, it's Memorial Day weekend, 2005. And we are officially about ready to go out of business. And I decided on that Saturday, I said, guys, I've heard about these people called affiliates and like radio station affiliates. What are we talking about? Like ABC, you know, I don't understand. No, like there are people who promote you and then you don't pay anything until after the sale is made. So it's basically the complete opposite of what Zuckerberg does, you know, right. Zuck takes your money and then hopefully you make it back. And usually you don't. That's the sad truth about Facebook ads. Most people actually lose money. <laughs> And so we're like, we got to find out, okay, well, how do we find these affiliates? I'm like, I have no idea. There's like one blog post and a forum about it. There's nothing else in 2005. There was no Matt McWilliams like teaching this stuff back then. But I went out and I did the research that I could. I worked hard at it, had my first couple of affiliates that week, brought in like a thousand dollars, which was just enough. Plus what we had in the bank to like cover payroll and survive, um, Fast forward 18 months later, we were doing over a million dollars a month in our affiliate program. And that was kind of the catalyst to this whole love affair with uh, affiliate marketing and affiliate programs that I've had ever since. Hmm. So powerful. Now, obviously, when you made those $9,000 in sales with your dad, you still had to teach the three-day golf program. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so... I just don't want folks to get the idea that, you know, hey, I'm just sitting on my couch making sales and we're not teaching them anything, right? But no, no. There's a we product from, that follows up. Yeah, we went from an average of two and a half, three students per, you know, golf school. We were doing these like 25 weeks a year. Uh, we went from an average of like two or three, which was great. I mean, I was, you know, uh, I probably was making, you know, anywhere from, you know, 60 to $80,000 a year. Uh, plus private lessons. I mean, at age of 22 is pretty sweet. Uh, it quickly accelerated. We went from averaging, like I said, about two and a half students per golf school to literally having to cap the number per week at eight. Like we figured four to one ratio student to, you know, instructor. Uh, it was a dramatic difference, uh, both in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the money, you know, the financial side of things, but it was also a dramatic difference in the quality of the golf school because actually we found that while we wanted to keep it small, eight was kind of that perfect number because then there was that critical mass and, and it almost came like a mastermind kind of for them. It was it was pretty powerful, uh, we found. So no, I mean, we still had to deliver the goods, but it actually allowed us. Uh, we ended up um, hiring somebody part-time, you know, who handled all the logistics. Like we used to handle all the logistics. So we would spend you know, we had to know like, okay, when are they landing? Things like that. We didn't have to know this stuff, but we wanted to give them a kind of a VIP experience. So when are they landing? And we would arrange for them to be picked up from the airport and taken to their hotel. You know, we didn't pay for the hotel, but we would at least arrange them for, you know, to be taken there, you know, arranging their transportation, making sure they had, um, we worked with some local restaurants on like meal, uh, not vouchers, but like, you know, making sure that they didn't have to worry about getting reservations mm. to be able to go out to eat. So there were some logistics and we, now we're making so much money. We didn't have to handle any of that stuff. We had an admin who did all that work for us. And so it's like for basically the price of about three students a year, we could hire this person. So we're making astronomically more money doing less work you know, not significantly less work, but marginally less work. And more importantly, less of the work that quite frankly, we hated. Um, 
you know, and uh, yeah, so it was a pretty cool, pretty cool trade off there. Yeah. Well, so obviously generating leads then was just a Google, Google keyword or, or mm -hmm. you know, and so now generating leads is obviously more complicated. You mentioned, you know, Google and our friend Mark are, are kind of the same, the same boat. You pay them for, you, you pay them in advance, you know, yeah. many, in many cases, the pay-per-click yeah, still, you know, not necessarily getting, getting what you want. So how does, how does affiliate marketing change that model? You know, the concept of affiliate marketing has been around since probably the dawn of man. You know, it, it's very, very simple. Uh, you send somebody to me and I make money. I share some of that money with you. You know, the ancient Romans 5,000 years ago, you know, Claudius and Julius are walking down the street and Claudius says to Julius, hey, Julius, I know this deli down the street. And by the way, if you go and, you know, and, and buy a meal from him um, and become a repeat customer, you know, you get one of his like little cards that, you know, you punch, uh, he's going to give me a free sandwich. I mean, that's affiliate marketing, referral programs. We, we have them. I mean, they've been around forever. I mean, literally since the dawn of man, probably. You know, I don't know who Adam referred to who, but whatever. You know, <laughs> it's been around for a while. All we did is, you know, 30 years ago is add technology to it. Um, that's really all we've done. So now I have the ability to send an email to my email list, which is effectively anonymous. You know, uh, there's 25,000 people, 100,000 people on there. I don't know all of them individually to be, you know, totally transparent. I can send an email to them um, that has my link and technology does the tracking. Like, you know, now we don't need the deli owner going, hey, you know, yeah, you're in here. I'm going to give, I don't know why my Roman uh, guy sounds like he's from Brooklyn, but um, I don't know how the Romans sounded. Okay. Maybe they sounded Italian. Maybe they didn't back then. Nobody has proof that I know we don't have audio recordings of Julius Caesar that I know of. And so, you know, instead of having that aspect of things where um, I know who referred it because he's standing in front of me, we, we use the technology to say, oh, that click came through that link, which is so-and-so, which, you know, that's Robert's link. So when there's a sale, thousand dollar sale, and we're paying a 40% commission, boom, give Robert $400, you know, easy peasy. Absolutely. And so you mentioned, obviously you used the word referral in there and, and you're compensating referral partners, but the, the value in getting clients you know, so much higher. I know some people, like you mentioned, 40%, 40%, Matt, that, that sounds like a ton. Like I just made a thousand dollar sale and I'm going to give them $400 of it. Well, look at, look at the alternative. Number one, you're probably going to spend more than that on ads. Number two, um, there's no guarantee, you know, it removes the risk. So I don't pay the 400 until I have the thousand mm. versus, you know, think about scaling. If I told you right now, like if you're starting at zero and I told you right now, hey, Robert, so just pretend you're at zero. You have no money, you know, whatsoever to basically fund your business. Maybe you have a thousand dollars. And I said to you, Robert, give me a thousand dollars and then we'll roll the dice. And there's a one in four chance you're going to land on twenty five hundred and a three in four chance you're going to land on basically nothing. Would you do it? Probably not. The other side is like, okay, yeah, if even if your ads work, you go spend a thousand and you make eleven hundred, which would be a success in ad world when you're starting out, breaking even as a success early on. Usually you lose money early on, and that's fine. I, I'm not saying don't run Facebook ads. Just for record, we spend thousands of dollars every week on Facebook ads. But you know what? We lost money for the first six months. And then we reached the point where we broke even. Now we make a lot of money. Well, here's the deal. The only way I was able to lose money for the first six months was how? To have a lot of money. Right. Okay. Now, how did I have a lot of money? Because I had affiliates who were bringing in the money and I was essentially floating some of that money and using some of the profits from affiliates to fund other forms of advertising. The thing about affiliates is it's guaranteed. If I told you right now, Hey, Robert, I'm going to give you $10,000. All I ask in return is that you give 4,000 to somebody else in 30 days. Would you do it? Of course. Well, duh. <laughs> you know, that's the difference. You're saying, man, I hope if I give 4,000 to Zuck that I make $10,000. Affiliates, it's guaranteed. You do not pay until you make a sale. And so for anybody who's, yeah, you know, if, if you're running a nine-figure business, you're running a $100 million business, 
and you know, you've got a big brand that's well known. Could you make the argument? I don't know if I want to give up 40%. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be 40%. I've run affiliate programs that paid 10%, 20%, 25%. I've paid, I've run programs where we paid 50, you know. Um, that's not the point. The point is, whatever it is, it's probably on par, if not lower than what you would pay for ads. And there's a lot of advantages. Number one, like I said, it's guaranteed. So anybody starting off, anybody with less than the hundred thousand dollars in the bank, uh, it's guaranteed profit. You can't lose money. I mean, it, I bring in a thousand, I pay whatever. Even if I pay five hundred, I can't lose money. It's it's mathematically impossible. You know. All right. So that's number one. Number two, the leads are warmer. They're better leads. So think about this. You let's just compare ads to affiliates. And I'm not saying don't do ads. I want to be very clear on that. We do ads. I'm just saying do both. This is not either or, it's both and. And starting off, it's probably only affiliates so you can save up money to possibly run ads later. Okay, so it's warmer leads. Picture these two scenarios. The ad says, I'm amazing. Here's why my product is awesome. It works. Okay. The affiliate says, Robert's amazing. Here's why he he's awesome. I used it. It works. Okay, which of those is going to convert better? Hmm. You know, think about that. Nobody wakes up in the morning wanting anything that you're selling, generally speaking. The people who do wake up in the morning, okay, you said, for instance, if, if I had seen an ad early this morning for a cream that would make my knees feel better, my knees hurt because I've had three straight days of like really intense workouts and it just hurts to even move right now. I did wake up going, you know what I really need is a knee cream. I need something. I need something that would help my knees right now. Well, most people don't wake up like that. They go, and you know what I need is Robert's thing today. Right. So now I get an email though from an affiliate saying things and convincing me that I should be interested in this. And I'm a warm lead going into that transaction. Well, they're likely a, they're likely a friend of Robert's, right? I mean, they're likely a person that Robert's had a relationship with. A friend, a customer, um, you know, somebody who's uh, maybe not either but they've read the reviews. Maybe they've, here's the thing, over time, they've referred people to you who've reported back to them. This happens all the time. I, re, I refer people and they come back to me and go, oh my gosh, thank you so much for referring me to so-and-so. Here's what it did for me. Well, first of all, I use that in my marketing. <laughs> but second of all, I now go, you know what? I feel even better about promoting this product. It's, it's pretty darn legit. Like, you know, and I'm more confident in my promotion. So yeah, I mean, um, but then just thirdly, the other thing about this, I just want to point out is affiliate market, affiliate programs are almost infinitely scalable. Hmm. If you go run a good ad, you ran a good ad. You ran one good ad. It does not automatically, like Facebook doesn't go, hey, you ran this ad well. Um, let's do this and automatically increase your traffic at the same profitability rate. No, they say, hey, go increase your audience and then your profitability goes down. Naturally, if I'm targeting 1 million people that are pretty niche down and then I expand that to 10 million people, those 9 million people are less qualified than the initial 1 million. That's just science. Well, or, right? they change, or they change the value of the keyword you use. They do. Now you, now you so pay But if I go get some affiliates and I actively go out and I get 10 affiliates and I, and I work hard to get them, and they succeed, we'll have another five to 10 affiliates who just come automatically, either as referrals or because they see what their competition's doing. And they're like, man, I saw the fifth email I got about that product this week. I should go, you know, join that. That's why we encourage, I'm, I'm going to get into a tip here. That's why we encourage our clients when they're starting their affiliate programs, what I want them to do is corner one tiny segment of the market. So we have a client that's in, they're literally, I'm not joking, they're in the nutritional yeast niche. Okay, pretty niche down. And I said, tell me all the people who could use this. And it's literally everybody from like, okay, people who have celiacs, you know, gluten intolerance, right? Uh, vegans who want to make, I don't remember what they want to do with it. Uh, people <laughs> who make edibles, which is apparently code for pot brownies. Um, edible candies that have, you know, cannabis in them. Um, uh, mothers who are... Um, I think it's like mothers who are lactating and then there's some, there's some sort of a disease, not celiacs, but it's some sort of other like 
problem where this thing helps with the thing. There's like six markets for this product. They've sold all six markets. I say, here's what I want you to do with your affiliates. I want you to go pick one of those. I don't care which one it is. You can do the edibles. You can do the, I don't care. You pick it, whichever one you think is best. And they decided to go for celiacs. And I said, okay, I want to corner the market with affiliates for those. I want you to go find every single person who's talking about celiacs, and gluten intolerance. And I want you to go get 50 of them to sign up as affiliates. Cause once you get 50, you'll get the other 200 just because they see the first 50 rather than trying to bounce around. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're going out and they're focusing on this one little tiny corner of the world. Bloggers who talk about gluten intolerance and celiacs, there's only like a couple hundred of them, but once they get the first 20 to 50, then they'll corner that whole market and they'll take it over. And then they can go to the next thing versus bouncing around. Then they're not going to get traction with any one of those markets. Well, and all the people that those people know are, are getting two emails or three emails, all mentioning the new program. That's what happened because, because they're, they're signed up for one or two or three or four of yep. those blogs. That's what happens. Once you hit somewhere between, depending upon how the market is, once you hit somewhere between, you know, 15 and 35 affiliates in that little corner, then the statistical probability of any of the other 200 or 500 being on four or five of those lists and are following four or five of them on social media is pretty high. In mm -hmm. fact, it's probably more, you know, they're probably following 10. So there's a, now there becomes an increasing likelihood that they're going to get exposed to your message and think that everybody's already promoting you. And why are they getting left out? It's like Matthew Kelly used to say, and I forget the exact thing, but he said the first time somebody hears something, they don't remember it. You got pay attention. To what I'm saying here. the second time they hear it, they begin to notice it. The third time they begin to possibly, you know, process it. The fourth time they hear something, they say, this must be important because it's the second time I've heard it. <laughs> All right. Then you fast forward and all of a sudden it's the seventh time. So if we can do that where we make it feel like, oh my gosh, this affiliate program is everywhere. Everybody's promoting this. It's not true. Only 10% of the market's promoting it, but everybody's promoting it. I have to be a part of it. Then you'll just get people who sign up just because. Well, and then they not only sign up to participate in the program, they sign up to be affiliates. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you get clients and, and salespeople. Yep. Yeah, it's exactly that's pretty, pretty powerful. So it's obviously connection is is everything in your world. It let's, is. Yep. Let's talk about building connection and and deepening connection. What do you want to know? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a whole podcast series right there. That's like four <laughs> hours worth. Um, here, here's here's the thing about building you know building connections. I mean, just be a human being. Um. Be nice, be friendly, be likable. Don't try to impress people, you know. Oh, yeah, I want this big blogger because they're super famous and they're going to make us millions. Well, don't go up on and start fanboying on them. You know, <laughs> just, just be a normal human being. You know, this, like, what you see and, and hear here is who I am. You know, uh, I'm a little bit on the loud side. I'm a, I do talk a little bit fast, um, but I do that if I'm, you know, I, I grew I'm very blessed. I grew up in Nashville and my dad ran a golf course there. And so for me to just go out to the golf course and be like, oh, it's, I'm playing with Vince Gill today or um, I'm at Dolly. I have a funny story. I, I have a great story about Dolly Parton. Um, you know, first time I was ever over at Dolly's house and I've only been over there a few times. So it's not, and she wouldn't even know me. She fell over me right now. The very first time I was like 14, 15 years old. I was running. I thought the door was open, but there was a screen door. I face planted into a screen door at Dolly Parton's house, you know, right in front of her. Like you talk about embarrassing. So I grew up in that environment, thankfully, where I was around people that were at least on some level very famous, you know. So I'm not intimidated by that. That that certainly helps. But just like what I learned about them is be friendly, be interested in them. Um, in in context of just building relationships. You know, one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Vince and I got along so well was I didn't want to talk about his music. <laughs> I didn't come out of the gate going, oh, my gosh, my mom's such a big fan. You know, he ended up my mom reminded me the other day he ended up recording. Uh, I, I've forgotten that he'd done this. I mean, it's not like I knew him that well, but he recorded a message for my mom um, on her birthday. Hmm. 
because I eventually did ask him to do something for me. He, uh, one of my mom's favorite wedding gifts. She's like, I hate everything else. This is her ex-husband. Uh, <laughs> no, my dad was the third husband, long story, but, uh, she, she and my dad actually ended up being really good friends later in life. But, um, she was like, one of my favorite things that I've ever received from anybody was a signed picture of Vince Gill for, you know, wishing us a happy, you know, wedding day or something like that. Um, I didn't come out of the gates with that, of course. But one of the reasons we got so along with, I just was curious about him. I didn't ask, I didn't ask him a thing about music. I was just, I asked him about golf and what's his favorite course that he played. And, and we just got to know each other. So I learned these things. So when I'm around people who could be potentially million dollar deals for me or clients, I'm not awkward like a lot of people are. Don't be awkward. I don't know how to tell you not to be awkward. Just be a human being. Be, if you're funny, be funny. If you're a little bit more serious, then be more funny. I don't know, but like get along with people. Um, don't stalk people. Don't, oh, here's the thing. Do not go to a conference and stand and like stand outside of a circle of people talking and not say anything and then try to like work your way in. Don't do that to people. It's the single most annoying thing in the world. You know? So I'm just saying like, if, so how do we develop those relationships? We get to know people over time. We connect with them. Oh, how do I know who to reach out to? Find similarities. Uh, do the, you know, connect on Facebook and engage with people in comments. Um, if you promote affiliate offers as an affiliate and you're on a leaderboard with somebody, an affiliate leaderboard, you know, reach out to them and, and say, hey, and just, you know, I'd love to, you know, love to chat sometime. Um, just be a, just be a normal human being. Don't be weird. Is probably what I would sum that up as. And then the biggest thing is you got to be intentional. So you got to be intentional about reaching out. You got to be intentional about follow up. You know, you have to be intentional every single week taking assessment of okay, who 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 have I not communicated with recently? What do I need to do? I just you know shoot them a text. Um, little tip that a friend of mine, I think I want to say Mitch Russo gave me this tip. Very simple. If you ever find yourself waiting. So in line at a grocery store, um, you know, a lot of times I'll go in to like, you know, we'll, we'll stop at like Chick-fil-A or, or Culver's and I'm the one who goes in to grab the dinner. Well, I order and then I have eight to 10 minutes of nothing to do. What do most people do? They play Wordle or they <laughs> check into Facebook, which I guess I could argue if you're doing that for the purposes of this, it could be good. You know what I do? And this is, I give all credit. I'd give all credit to whoever I learned it from, but I can't remember. I intentionally go through and start texting people. I scroll all the way down to the bottom of my text. It's why I'm ruthless about deleting texts that I don't need. Cause otherwise well, the first time I did this, it took eight minutes just to get to the bottom. I sent one text and the person was like, your order's ready. You know? <laughs> so I scroll all the way to the bottom and I just go, you know what? I'm text that. Boom. Hey bud, how's it going? And I do this with my friends who have no business connections whatsoever. I do this with affiliates. I do this with partners. I do this with people on our team. I do this with people who used to be on our team. I do it with everyone. Eight to 10 minutes. I may, I sometimes I only reach out to three people because it takes me a while to craft a message. Sometimes I'll be able to hit up 17 or 25 people. Um, and I just spend that time. But I have to be intentional about doing that because it's really easy for me to say, I've got 10 minutes to kill. Let me check in on sports scores, you know? Um, and then outside of that, I set calendar reminders, you know, just to reach out to people periodically that, you know, I haven't chatted with in a while and make sure that everybody's kind of hearing from me about every 90 to 120 days, whether they like it or not. Nice. So obviously that's a pretty important routine that you've picked up, right? When I'm waiting in line, I'm going to send these text messages. Yeah, it's become a trigger now. It's like, it's almost automatic at this point. It used to be that I had to kind of remind myself, like I would go, oh yeah, yeah I've got 10 minutes, boom, ESPN.com. And then like three minutes later, I'm like, wait a minute, shoot, I'm supposed to send text messages, you know? Um, now it's it's automatic. Um, so I send out thousands probably of Christmas texts and everybody yeah. knows you're going to get a funny one from me. Like this past year, I sent out one that was like the goofiest looking family ever. It said from my, I'll pull it up here. It said from my family to yours, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And then when they replied, everybody was like, oh, LOL, that's, you know, that's so funny you know, that you sent this. And then I replied with, um, with this, uh, I just thought, it, I, I, I just got a, a kick out of my own text here, you know? So it's, it's a picture of, of, well, it's two people who are clearly older than me and my wife and then four adopted, um, uh, Asian, like two-year-olds that are not our children, you know, clearly. And I was like, from our family years. So when they replied, 
And I said, happy, you know, or they say, you know, haha, Merry Christmas. But in all seriousness, I just wanted to take a minute to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and most of all, good health. These days, people don't spend too much time or thought on some personal words to their friends and family. They just copy and paste some random message they find on the internet and send it on. So after all we've been apart, after we've all we've been through apart this year, I just want to thank you for your friendship and wish you all a happy and fulfilling 2018. You're the best gymnastics group anyone could ask for. Best with your <laughs> And, uh, you know, that was this year's. Nice. So they, now they got to chuckle. And yeah. but you know what? I had to sit there copying and pasting that flipping thing <laughs> thousands times. of times. There's no good way to do that aside. I'm, you know, I don't have a local assistant. My assistant is remote. He does not have the ability to send text messages from my personal phone number. So he can handle my email and all that. But, you know, it took five hours probably in my life to do that. But, well, but I can the, value, tell you, the value in relationship is far beyond that. Yep. And there are some direct things that actually set up. I, I'm thinking of a client I just got off the phone with that came directly from that text message. Absolutely. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com, addvalue2life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. So obviously that's a pretty important routine. Now, what other what other routines have you established in your life that are that are really important? Uh, exercise. It's probably the biggest one. I mean, uh, it's something I did not value for about a decade. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how else to say this. I got fat um, and lazy. And now it is a non-negotiable one hour, pre preferably longer. But it is one, you know, it's one hour. Um, it's non-negotiable. I'm not meeting with a client. I'm not doing a sales call. I'm not meeting with a team member. It's on my calendar. And if you ask to book something during that time, um, the answer is no. In fact, if you ask to book a video call within 30 minutes of it, the answer is no, because I got to go take a shower. Uh, <laughs> I'll do a phone call and talk to you on the phone right after, but that is one hour that is non-negotiable. Now, most days, thankfully I have the ability to bump that, you know, start earlier or go, you know, go later and do a little bit longer. But it's non-negotiable and it's made the biggest difference. I mean, we know it. It's like intellect. Nobody, nobody needs to sell. There's nobody on here going, wow, exercise is good for you. I had no idea. You know, um, exercise and diet, you know, changing my diet. Um, I'm not advocating for particular diets. I won't even get into it. But changing my diet completely changed my brain. That was the thing. Like, I just think clearer. I have more focus. Um, you know, there's all these things that are just, you know, they're routines for me. Um you know, creating an ideal week. I sit down at the beginning of uh, every month and uh, create the ideal week for the following month. So I'm, you know, come March 1st, I will set the ideal week for April. Hmm. And uh, we make sure we stick to that at least 95% of the time. Uh, we're allowed two times. I'm allowed to violate that two times in a month for, for various things, you know, that we need to do. Uh, those are probably, I'm, I'm not a creature of, a lot of routine. I don't think, I mean, I think we all are to some extent. I wake up in the morning, I do the exact same stuff for the first hour every day, but I don't know that I would call it like some amazing routine. You know what I do? I get up and I take the dog out and I run them to the top of the driveway and back unless it's pouring down raining, in which I, case I don't, I go inside and I run around the house with them. Two <laughs> minutes, I'm just getting some, you know, it's not, I'm not doing a workout. I'm just getting my blood flowing. Nice. Um, I make my coffee. I drink my water and get my electrolytes in and take some supplements and um, then I get to work, you know, but it's not like this amazing, like, wow, that's a revolutionary thing there, Matt. <laughs> um, but, nice. Yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned earlier, obviously your transition uh, from selling the golf program, started a company selling some type of insurance and, mm -hmm. and that was failing. And you made the choice to say, Hey, these affiliate things and research that, but, where along the way have you had mentors that, that have come alongside and, and, and supported you and helped you? Um, I, I've been, I've been super blessed. Like so many of my, what I would call virtual mentors have become friends. Um, you know, I think of, 
I never got to meet Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've met his whole family and they, you know, Zig's company and along with Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank, uh, they did a project together and they were clients of ours. Uh, you know, so certainly they've been, you know, I mean, he, he's been a, a virtual mentor. Zig was, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'd be without Zig. I really don't, you know, I mean, his stuff was, was life-changing. Um, Les Brown's another one, you know, um, his, his stuff. Uh, as far as like, you know, other ones, I mean, Michael Hyatt, um, has been a, a, a big mentor. Um, <clears throat> uh, Jeff Walker has been a mentor of mine. Um, those have probably been, you know, the big ones, um, that have had the most impact on my, on my business. I mean, of course, beyond that, you know, I, I learned more watching my dad hmm. than, um, you know, than I ever thought I did. You know, it's like, it's funnier than my dad, my dad passed away, uh, 17 years ago. Um, the, the older I, you know, the old saying, the older I get, the smarter he is. Right. Um, and he hasn't contributed anything new in 17 years, you know, to the die actually probably 18 years. Cause he had his last year, he had dementia. Mm. Um, it's been 18 years since he said anything profound, <laughs> you know, and he's gotten a lot smarter over the years. You know, I, I still remember, I'll give you a good example. Like I think of internet marketing. My dad never owned a computer, never got on the internet as far as I know. Uh, you know, again, passed away in 2005. So he's kind of right when it started to like, there weren't even really smartphones then. And, um, you know, I don't think he ever even owned a cell phone come to think of it. Um, <laughs> Lucky him. Still had the landline where it was like, like dad, I'd like to talk to you right now. Well, he's not available. Well, where is he? He's not at the office. Well, how do I get in touch with him? I don't know where he is. <laughs> and I had, I'd had a cell phone for like five years. I'm like, come on, man, join the whatever century we're in here. Um, and, uh, but anyway, never owned a computer, never got on the internet. My dad had the best lead magnet of anybody I've ever known. And when I tell the story of, okay, what's a lead magnet, right? You know, this thing that you use to, to, to get people to be interested in you and join your email list. Just think of my dad who never even got on the internet, right? Well, here's what my dad would do. He would walk up and down the practice tee at his golf course. And he would look for someone who he could see them. They would hit a shot and they would slump over. And they hit another shot and they would slump over. And it was obvious this person was in pain, not necessarily physical pain, like, ow, my back hurts, but they are in pain. Why? Because they're not doing what they, they're, they're not able to do what they want to be able to do with the golf ball. They are hitting it where they don't want to hit it. And he would walk up to them and he would say, Hey, can I, can I take a few minutes and just offer you some tips? Hmm. Within three or four minutes, they'd hit a ball and they'd light up. They'd hit another ball and they'd light up and they'd, they'd turn him and they'd go, Oh my gosh, those are like the three best drives I've ever hit in my life. How do I do what? How do I give you money for more of what you just gave me? Hmm. And he'd sign him up for a thousand dollar golf instruction package. That's a lead magnet. You offer something that people can download, watch, attend for free that gives them a quick win so that when they have that quick win, when they have that flash of success, they have to come back for more. And that more is a, is a paid offer, of course, you know? And so I think about that, like that's, you know, that was my dad. Never, never even got on a computer or the internet in his life and taught me more about lead magnets than any like I write about that in my book, you know, it's coming out in over a year, almost a year now. I write about that. And I'm like, what I'm teaching in this book is based on me watching him on the practice tee, not on anything that I learned from, you know, some marketing guru about how to do a lead magnet. That's all it is. Whatever it is that gives them that, how can you give them a win in three minutes? How can you make them go, oh my gosh, that worked. What's next? Hmm. That's what he taught me. Yeah. So powerful. So obviously talking about your dad, uh, you're, you're pretty grateful for the lessons that you've learned for him. What are the ways his gratitude played in, in your growth and in, in, in your company? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh, one that I probably never even thought of. Um, you know, anytime I need to pause and think about something, I will find an excuse to clean my glasses. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Um, actually, it's just because I got some tea on them. <laughs> um Gratitude is something I've struggled with. 
you know, I, I, I know, I know all the quotes about gratitude, you know, I know uh, Oprah Winfrey says, you know, the, the best way I'm paraphrasing here, but like, you know, you're never going to have more of, of what you want until you're grateful for what you have, you know, and I, and I get that intellectually, I get it, but it's something because my default setting is what's next. You know, my two favorite words in the English language are what's next. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not good at celebrating, you know, like, awesome. We won the game. Cool. What's next? Um, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm, you can tell because for those of you who aren't on video, you'll see this, but I'm wearing a Wake Forest hoodie. That, that's where my dad went to college. I can't stand Duke basketball, but I, I have respect for Mike Krzyzewski, and they have a philosophy at Duke called next play. Next play means no matter what just happened, it's all about the next play. You know, whether you just, okay, we won the game. Cool. Next play. We lost the game. Cool. Next play. I turned the ball over. Next, cool. I missed the shot. I made the shot. I dunked it. I made a great block, whatever it was. It's all about the next play. And, and I, that's how I function, you know, is like, what's next? Cool. Move on, move on, move on. And then I have to be reminded, you know, especially like a good example of this is with our team members. Uh, Zig Ziglar said, I think it was Zig, you know, all employees are volunteers. Mm. Like, especially in today's market, there are a million, literally a million job openings in the United States right now. A million. There's only about 240 Eight, you know, like age appropriate, like working people in the United States. I'm doing, I don't know what the actual numbers, but I'm going to say it's probably within, within 10%, it's 225, 240 million. Right. And there are a million or 2 million possibly job openings. There are no matter what field you're in, unless your field is president of the United States, <laughs> there's one of those. Okay. You know, Okay, governors, you know, yeah, there's 50, but you got to live in the state. So, okay, I get it. There's a few of those where it's limited. Most fields, there's hundreds of openings nationwide right now. And with remote work becoming more and more popular, all of our team members are remote. Then go anywhere. And they can make, I'm just going to be fully transparent. They can make the same or within 5% less to 5% more what they make working for me. Hmm. So how do I keep them? And so I have to remind myself, like, I have to be so grateful for that. Oh, my gosh, we built an amazing team. And I have to do everything I can to make sure they want to stay with us. Um, and so just reminding myself, like, man, our team is amazing. They get 97% right. My default is to see the 3% they did wrong. You know, I, I unfortunately don't send enough messages going, hey, guys, great job. You published the blog post this week with no errors. No, what do I do? Hey, guys, the image is wrong on this week's blog post. I just happened to notice it. Now, I'm not mean about it. I'm not a tyrant like, you guys suck. No, that's ridiculous, right? But I, I point out the errors so that they fix them. That's normal. But I, I very rarely just compliment them on the fact that they did the mundane thing that they've done for 57 weeks straight right for a 58th week in a row. Way to go, guys. You know, it's been over a year since anyone messed up one of my podcast episodes. All I do is hit record and then upload the file to Dropbox. Everything else, I don't even know that it happens. I couldn't <laughs> even tell you what podcast episode we released this week. I have no idea because I recorded it forever ago. I don't even know. And as far as I know, it didn't technically even get done. But you know what? It's actually been more than a year since any step from the editing to the uploading to the thing, to adding all the descriptions, to writing the email, to scheduling the email, to getting the page done, to getting the transcript loaded, to adding the images, to designing the image, to adding the image, to all that stuff, the social media posts for it, the Facebook posts for it. It's been more than a year since anything, even one step out of the 12 steps on 52 plus episodes has gotten messed up and not once, you know, have I said, Hey, great job. You know? And so that's something I can work on. Um, hmm. It's played a role, but that's something I can work on. I think all leaders can work on. It's like, you know, what, you know, if you, if you have a hundred orders a day for a couple of weeks and they all just go out successfully, you know, if you're in the physical pro products business, how about you just say good job shipping department for shipping things? Because you can bet they're going to hear about it if the one doesn't get there hmm. and they don't need you ramming out. So 
ramming it down their throat. So what if you just complimented them on the one? I don't know. Mm. Maybe that's just me. I think that would probably make things a lot better. And, and not only will you keep people, but I think people are going to be happier. They're going to get more joy out of their jobs. And that's going to have that down the line impact that we all know about. You know, what's the guy, guy had a bad day at work and he, and he, you know, and, and then a guy cut him off. So then, you know, and then long story short is this, you know, ended up spiraling down to the point where he kicked the dog right. you know, and then the dog bit the child. And you think about it, you know, man had bad day at work. Child got bit by dog. He's responsible for it. Like, how did we get there? Right. Because we didn't press pause and go, wait, most stuff went well today. You know, I, I didn't get food poisoning from anything I ate today. <laughs> oh, that's a win. Absolutely. You know? Like, how about we just right now, we just celebrate any day that we don't get COVID. Hey, cool. You know, that's a win. Um, you know, I think if we just, you know, look for those small things. Sounds yep. to me like, sounds to me like you've got a new, a new task for your, your waiting in line. <laughs> celebrate yeah, celebrate yeah. the team. And uh, I, I mean, it reminds me of the Einstein chalkboard incident, right? He's, he's writing one times nine is nine, two times nine is 18. And he gets to nine times nine and he writes 91. And the, you know, the class is all, Oh, you got that one wrong. And he's like, yeah, but, what about the nine I got right? Yeah. <laughs> and and so yeah, the great great example. And I appreciate yep. your I appreciate your authenticity and that I'm I'm focused on the next step and the next play. And and uh that's a great mindset as well, right? My favorite scene in Lion King is when Rafiki nails Simba in the head with a stick and and just reminds him, like, what was that for? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's already over. Like next play. And so he doesn't say next play, but that's a, mm -hmm. that's the imply implication, right? Is is you've got to figure out the next step because all those things that are in the past are done and over with. And so mm -hmm. don't uh, and in basketball, there's no time, right? There's it's not like golf where you're walking to the next hole. You've got this whole time to figure out. Well, what did I do wrong on that one? Why didn't I get basketball? You've got to be moving up and down the court long before you can be, you know, thinking about that last shot and and messing that up. So yeah. It, it's a it should be an easier sport to move on right <laughs> figure out next play yeah all right I'm gonna switch it up a little bit how how important is play and fun how how important is what play and fun in your life maybe in your business uh i, just, I mean seven no <laughs> <laughs> um i love to laugh you know i don't know if I love playing. Like I love playing soccer. You know, I love, um, I love games. You know, I'm a very competitive person. Um, but I also love just like tickle fights with the kids and stuff like that, you know, and playing with the dog. Uh, you know, if you think about it, like really in, in effect, I, I thought about this, like from a logical standpoint, I'm not trying to get like all metaphysical, but what do I get out of throwing the toy back and forth? It's not a workout. Um, I, I'm doing it specifically for the dog. I am doing it to give him something. I don't really get a whole lot out of it. <laughs> now it comes around later because I have a dog that's, you know, like happy and now gives me affection. But in the act, I mean, it is the most mundane thing in the world. I go, good boy, drop it. Good boy, drop it. It's pretty repetitive. It's kind of boring. Um, but so that's a little bit different level of play. I think for me personally, uh, it's, it's laughter, you know, re I, relationships, they have to be able to get me. I told this to, I told this to a client the other day. I said, okay, if we're going to work together, there's three things you need to know. And, and I won't worry about number the first two for now. I said, number three is I'm going to make fun of you. Are you okay with that? <laughs> and she was like, I hope so. Like that's, she's like, yes. And I was like, listen, we get results. You know, average client grows by 250% in the first year that they work with us, but I'm also going to have fun doing it. And the best way that we can have fun doing this is I'm going to joke with you and we're going to joke together. And when I write emails to affiliates, like I'm going to work some humor in and I'm not always going to be just dead serious. And, you know, like you just need to know that I, I posted on Facebook recently. And I said, you know, the more I've, the more I've been in leadership and I've been in a leadership role for almost 20 years now. You know, the more I've been in leadership, the more I realized that, um, not, uh, you know, leadership is 10% skill and 90% just taking the time to find the right gift and slack, you know, because, you know, 
animated GIFs and Slack channels. And yeah, anyway, you know, internet marketers get that. People who use Slack get that. People who don't are like, I have no idea what that even means. Um, you know, it, it's like we have fun with that. Uh, I make, I try to make my team laugh. I laugh. I spend a lot of time telling jokes and listening to jokes. I, I don't get as much time to as I used to, but when I'm doing anything, cause I don't, I, I thankfully in, in a good way and in a bad way, I've reached the point in my business where I don't really spend a whole lot of time doing mundane tasks. Mm -hmm. I'm doing stuff like this. I'm talking to people and I'm doing the creative stuff. And so I don't really do a lot of like checking email or any of that. That's great. One thing I miss about that is I used to spend about 30 to 40 minutes a day listening to comedy. Mm. Um, and anytime I was doing mundane tasks, I would listen to comedy and I don't really spend a lot of time doing that, but I do try to, you know, as much as possible. I think comedy in particular, uh, it stretches your brain mm. learning the structure of comedy. One of my, one of my favorite comedians who became a friend, uh, is a guy named Michael jr. Mm. And, um, I had an opportunity. I remember, like four or five years ago, uh, we had a mutual friend uh, through Zig Ziglar, actually. And he was like, do you like Michael Jr.? I'm like, oh my gosh, he's one of my favorite comedians. Like, well, do you want to meet him? So we go to hit one of his shows and I think it's going to be one of those things like, hey, nice to meet you. Hey, you know, hey, look, at we're on a page. Oh, you know, okay, see ya. But he's like, come on in. And it's just us. And we sat there with him for almost four hours. We had wow. to like midnight and we're like, our babysitter wants to go home. We kind of need to leave. And so we had the opportunity then and we hung out with him, you know, some other stuff and got to know him over the years. And I remember like he started teaching me the structure of comedy. You know, all there is, is there's a setup and then a change of direction that you weren't expecting and that's all it is. Like you set it up and then you change, you know, we, we think we get, we know what the answer is going to be. Oh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Oh, and that's why it's funny. And then like, I said something, you know, at one point and I referenced something we'd said like an hour before, I you know it's called a callback. If you watch comedians, they use callbacks all the time. And if you can use them in a conversation with another human being, because you were paying attention at the beginning of the call and you can pull a callback out. It, have you ever done that? And it's just uproarious laughter. People go nuts over callbacks. And I had one just earlier on a call with somebody and, and, and I won't get into the details, but early in the call, you know, one of the guys, you know, basically kind of said something that was moderately uh, self-deprecating. <laughs> and then later, like 45 minutes later, I said, well, when you do that, you know, and you know, when you're the kind of guy who, and I reference, and he's like, I mean, like literally you watch people's just faces were like hitting tables. They were laughing so hard. Um, that's having fun, right? You know, it's just, I don't know. So for me, that's, that's my version of plays is comedy and just enjoying people. Um, I think it's important dancing, you know, I'm a terrible dancer. I'm a 42 year old <laughs> white guy. I have no rhythm whatsoever. So I only kind of dancing I can do is like listening to like Irish folk music where you can dance like an idiot and get a really good workout <laughs> in and just have some fun with it. So it's, it's important though. All right. So what was your most memorable date with your wife? Oh my gosh, we've had a few. Um, all right, so most, okay, I won't say what the most memorable was because it was because it didn't go so well, not on anything. It was the, the, something that happened with the meal and that's one that we talk about a lot. So it was actually the most memorable. Um, I mean, probably the, the, mo the most fun date that we've ever had was actually very recently. Um, we... Uh, so there's a restaurant down, we went down to Gatlinburg, Tennessee for our anniversary. And, uh, uh, there's a restaurant down there that when we went down there earlier that year with a larger group had like a three hour wait. And it was memorable for a few reasons. Number one, we had a great day. Number That's two, just the Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> no, no. We walked in and we're like, how much of a wait? And they're like, he goes, Oh, can we get them up right now? And he's like, Oh yeah. And we walked right in. And I'm like, Man, this is amazing. I'm not ready to eat yet though. Cause it's early and we were going to like, we we're going to wait, figure we had to wait an hour, but whatever, you know, we walked in and we just had one of those meals again. It's like, what was, what was remember? But we just laughed a lot. Mm. We just sat there looking at each other, doing silly stuff. Um, there was nothing serious to talk about. We were just having fun, sharing memories. Um, it wasn't like this most unbelievable setting in the whole world. Like people are like, most memorable day was when I went to this French restaurant on the Riviera. And I'm like, eh. I mean, I've done some of those things. I mean, I could like most memorable food. 
wasn't that night. It was good food. Please don't misunderstand me. I was good. And I ate like approximately 14,000 calories in one sitting. <laughs> that was great. I've had much better meals. I've eaten it literally. You know, I remember uh, me and Tara and Michael Hyatt and, and his wife, Jeff Walker and his wife, Amy Porterfield and her husband. And we were eating at what is ranked the number one place to eat in the entire United States. Wow. It's a good meal. Great company. But I wouldn't say it was that memorable because, you know, we had great conversation, but it wasn't one of those where like later I was like, my ribs hurt. Why do they hurt from laughing? You know? So I think that's some, you know, laughter is important to me. So I remember the times where I've laughed the hardest and that was mm -hmm. one of them. So what, what are some of the blessings of being able to design your business and build your business around your family? Uh, that I get to get off this and immediately go up and see my kids. <laughs> Uh, I work wherever I want to work. I, if, you know, like I don't, uh, I do, I do take some good vacations. I'll do about a month of vacation a year, you know, in total. And I'm not a workaholic per se, but we get to travel a lot and go to cool places and I still work. You know, um, I get to take off at, you know, four 30 any day I want for the kids soccer. And I get, I've, I have outside of, um, 10, 10 total in six years, uh, total of eight, nine years of soccer between the two kids, you know, a thousand practices, maybe 800 practices and 200 games or more. Um, missed one game and half a dozen practices mm. in all these years. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know how people who work a quote unquote regular job do it when her practices are from five to seven. Like, you know, I know people, they couldn't, they have to get, some of the kids have to get rides and there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not judging them. I'm saying, oh my gosh, how cool is it that I get to take my kids every single week? Hmm. Um, almost, you know, 49, uh, whatever, how many weeks they actually have practice, you know, 40 weeks out of the year, I get to take them 39. You know, that's pretty darn cool. Um, you know, getting to be there with them. We do that. We homeschool. So uh, that means my wife does all the hard work and I lead gym class. <laughs> but from 10 to 11, 11, 15 every morning. Um, I'm doing gym class with the kids. Nice. You know, and that's pretty cool. You know, little things like that. Just, uh, you know, the fact that, um, you know, most of our clients have met my kids, at least on zoom is, is pretty cool in part because I'll be standing. I mean, I'm surprised one of them hasn't come down right now. You know, <laughs> uh, it's nothing short of a miracle. They haven't, but uh, decent enough chance that Giovanni would want to show me something and he would be standing there on the stairs right now, looking at me going, and I would be like, all right, come on, you know, show me what you got. Absolutely. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So what's been the impact of hosting your podcast? Uh, a lot of business. Uh, it's a lot of fun for me. I get to flush through ideas. I get to talk into a microphone without any pressure of a crowd and flush through ideas in my head, um, test out concepts and stories and uh, structures and things like that for future publication. Um, you know, 50 to 60% of what's in my book coming out in a year, um, there's stuff that I talked about in the podcast. Nice. And I got to flesh through it and kind of, as I was saying things go, no, that doesn't work. No, that story would be better there. That was a really bad way of explaining that. Let's try something different. Um, and then as it's growing, I mean, we're up on almost 500 episodes now. Um, yeah. I just recorded episode 481, I think. So, you know, as it's grown, I would say, you know, half of our clients have said, you know, yeah. So I've, you know, I've listened to your podcast. Um, I came to you from the podcast or even just like when I'm talking to them, they feel like they already know me. Right. It's pretty cool. Like it's actually kind of freaky. Like, you know, they know our kids names and they know where I live and they know a lot of my stories. And, um, that's very beneficial when you're working with somebody one-on-one. -on -one. If only you had it the other way <laughs> and you knew their stories and their kids names. And <laughs> well, that's what we get to do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right, Matt, what inspires you? What inspires me is um, it's our it's our students, our followers, um, 
the people that I get to, to interact with is, is pretty inspiring. Uh, there's a lady that uh, I think of, I, t- you know, I talked to her a while back and uh, she, she's amazing. Just didn't know that she is um, this lady. She has two autistic children mm. um, and she's just, you know, I forget how I connected with her. I think she had applied for our mastermind and she put in the application. Like, I don't, I don't think this is going to work for me or something. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to call, I'm going to, I said to my assistant, Kevin, like schedule a call with her. I think if I just spend 15 minutes with her, I can, I can help this lady, you know? Um, so I got on the phone with her and I'm talking to this lady. And as I'm talking to her, you know, she's like, I have two autistic children and I, I just, I've always had a passion for wanting to help other parents of autistic children. I'm like, all right, so what's stopping you? She's like, well, I don't have the letters behind my name. I don't where you know, I'm not a doctor and I don't have all these fancy degrees or titles and I don't even know like all the science, right? You know, I don't, I don't even, you know, I don't understand all that. And I don't have all the access to all the latest studies and, you know, clinical trials and all that stuff. And I'm like, so, <laughs> and, uh, she's like, well, I just don't feel like I'm equipped. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm the person, you know, there's so many more people who are more qualified than me. And I'm like, and I just, I think thinking about it as she was talking and I'm like, I'm going to ask her this. And I, I said, do me a favor. I said, I'm going to ask you a question and you don't need to answer me right away. Um, and it's a hard question, but I want you to answer it honestly. And I said, have you ever felt like killing your children? And she's like every day. And I'm like, and just to be clear, I don't mean like literally you've had homicidal thoughts. She's like, no, you know, but it's frustrating. It's hard. Two, one autistic child is hard. Two is hard. She's a single mom working mm-hmm. full time, trying, one has the dream of starting a side business that it could grow into a full, and she has two autistic children that she's parenting. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Having two children is hard. Two children married, being an entrepreneur, working from home is hard. She's got it eight times harder. Mm-hmm. And I said, so why don't you just share what you've learned with people? Why don't you be the person who doesn't have the letters behind your name or the credentials, the degrees, the experience, but you have the experience. So I said, you've got the pedigree. You've got the credentials because you've parented successfully two autistic children. You mean to tell me that all the parents of one out there wouldn't want to learn from you? She's like, I never thought of it that way. I said, you can use the fact that you don't have the credentials. There he is. What's up, buddy? Um, speak, speaking of them, <laughs> you you could use the fact that you don't have the credentials to your advantage. You can say hi. It's Absolutely. His name is Robert. Say hi. You see him? Hi. How you doing? Tell him what your name is. Giovanni. Giovanni, that's an awesome name. Yeah. It's Italian. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. I'm gonna be up in just a minute. Okay. When we when you go up, Wait. what? When you go up, can we play? Yeah. We'll play our we'll play with those new Nerf guns. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm coming you. over. He wants you to know we got new Nerf guns. But let me finish up this podcast, buddy, and I'll be right up. Okay. I am on my way to play with this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's who I'm inspired by. Absolutely. All right, Matt, typically we end with just, you've sat across head coffee with an entrepreneur for the last hour and you're going to leave them with Matt's words of wisdom. What would you share? So many I could share. I started an affiliate program. There's a reason why not only you know, Walmart has one, Target has one, Adidas, we ran, we ran Adidas as years ago, you know, Shutterfly, uh, Stu McLaren, Michael Hyatt, Jeff Walker, Rich Sheffern, uh, Ryan Levesque, you name, like name an entrepreneur, they have an affiliate program. There's a reason. They work. Um, so start an affiliate program. It, it's There's no risk. You know, you avoid all that risk that we talked about, right? Um, they scale infinitely. They bring in those warm leads. You know, success leads to more success, like we talked about. Um, so start an affiliate program. If you, if you need help, if you, if you have no money whatsoever to get tracking, and tracking is usually pretty cheap, um, you can start one for free. You can start one for free. Uh, 
if, if you go to mattmcwilliams.com and search how to start an affiliate program for free, I did a, a lesson on that that walks you through step-by-step. Step. It's you know, a 45-minute lesson. We don't have time for that now. Uh, but you can start one for free. Don't have to pay anything. It's not scalable. You start one for free with three or four affiliates. You bring in some money, and then you use that to go buy the software you need for the, you know, the more scalable affiliate tracking. But you can start one for free. Um, if you want to start, like, like, where do I get started? Where do I find affiliates? How do I reach out to them? How do I get a few on board? Uh, if you go to mattmcwilliams.com forward slash first 100. So F I R S T one zero zero. Um, I'll send you a free report on how to find your first 100 affiliates and, uh, shares a bunch of different places there. You got some email templates in there for you and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, if you're on the other side, you're thinking, man, I could really make some extra money. I could do some affiliate marketing. Um, just go to mattmcwilliams.com forward slash quick start. And I'll send you a free guide on getting started with affiliate marketing. Matt, thank you so much for just the masterclass in, in affiliate marketing and entrepreneurship. Appreciate your time and, and just appreciate your heart. Uh, thanks for having me, Robert. Good to be here. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Dr. Dan Amzalag shares about the importance of mental health and how the pressures of running a business can feel overwhelming. We talk about the value of reframing failure and how to accept failure as a part of the journey.